0: Good evening, Rock Harbor. It's good to Amen. see everybody here tonight. We're here to worship the Lord. Amen. We're going we're gonna to pray and then we're going to let the kids be dismissed uh, to their classes. Father, we just thank you for tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord God, for your anointing. Thank you, God, for your, your blessings to us, Father. Thank you, God, for letting us be alive. Thank you, Lord God, for the breath of life, Lord, and what you've given us, Lord, uh, here at Rock Harbor Church, Father, uh, with this church family. And Father, we just pray this prayer, God, of, of supplication to you, Lord. We just pray your anointing be upon this service, upon the children that go to the back, Lord. We just pray for your blessings tonight, God. Be with them. Be with us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I bless you. You're dismissed tonight. Enjoy yourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God for the ten. Praise God for the ten. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, there's, there's a very particular theme that I've noticed. Um... And when, when I say this, I try to imagine if I was on the other side of the coin and you know, if somebody said this to me, you know, how would I respond? Um, something that, that I noticed and I brought this to prayer and then the Lord began to reveal some things to me uh, throughout the week about this very topic. Um, when I look across a generalization across the church, across, now I don't necessarily say in Rock Harbor but yeah, I mean, there, there are people here, some people here, some people there, different places. I see tired people. Tired people. Now, when I say that, there's a lot of things that go with that. It's not just simply saying, well, you look tired tonight or you've been sleeping okay. Which the answer could very well be no. You may say, well, no, I have not been sleeping very well at all. So when I say that this has been something that the Lord has brought to me, it's more than just the lack of sleep. It's more than just uh, I haven't been sleeping good or, or I had a bad night of sleep or, or I just kind of feel uh, a bit tired lately. There's something else going on when we look across. And, and, and not just when I say this, I'm not just talking about one perspective. I'm not just talking about me looking and seeing this. I'm talking about me myself too, noticing that there's a chronic tiredness that I have to constantly fight through constantly fighting through a chronic tiredness. It's like, you know, it's, you know, it can show up at any time of the day. It's not just when you roll out of bed in the morning and you think, oh man, I really got off on the wrong foot. I don't feel good and I'm really tired and this is not going to be a good day. And I think every one of you can relate to that kind of feeling and you have to kind of press through it. I'm talking about the kind of tiredness that you get up and then you go down and then you go back up again and you go back down. And there's just this thing that you're constantly punching against, punching constantly. Even in your prayer, you find yourself dozing off and falling asleep and losing your attention and your, your mind's over here and your mind's over there. There's this thing that we're constantly fighting against as God's people. And as the, this week progressed on, it was something that came to me last week, that the one of the enemy's tactics, if you haven't noticed this, is to, to, to throw as an opposition, you got to think, what is the enemy's job? What's his role? What's his position as far as, in you know, against the church? Well, obviously, we know he's in opposition against the church, and I know he's the enemy. But by definition, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. By definition. So I know that whatever he throws at me, whatever he puts in front of me is not always going to be some massive ball of destruction that's just going to wreak havoc through my life. It doesn't always show up like that. And this was what the what the Lord had showed me, was that one of the enemy's avenues, and one of the things that he wants to do is make sure that he throws enough stuff at you that you stay tired. Now, I'm not just talking about just, I feel tired. I'm talking about a spiritual tiredness. And then those of you that have been engaged in spiritual warfare know what I'm talking about when I say spiritually tired you know when you have you have taken in enough thing enough things and enough events you have been praying for things you have not seen the results to those things you have been still believing and still having your putting keeping your faith in place and you are tired I'm tired I feel tired but it's not just any kind of tiredness It's not not the kind of tiredness that you you just get over from a good night of sleep. It's not the kind of tiredness that you get over from taking the right supplements or doing the right things to your body. It's a tiredness that can only be alleviated one way. First of all, we have to realize what we're engaged in. We gotta realize that this is an actual tactic of the enemy. You gotta realize that the things that he is throwing at you are on purpose, not a general thing. He didn't just throw out like, you know, you see the, uh, the, the cartoons and throw out the tacks, you know, and the, the car runs over them, busts little tires. It's not just this general thing that he just throws out there and just kind of hopes that you chirp over it. If you are a believer, everything is centered and directed on, at you on purpose. You think, why did these things happen to me? Why are these things going on in my life? Well, of course, I mean, I could easily point to the events of the world. I mean, that's easy. But some of you are going through some individual things. On top of everything else that's going on. Like you needed anything else, right? So you take all of these things and you mount them up and you think, why do I keep getting hit like this? Why do these things keep happening? I am praying. God, where are you at? I am praying and I am looking for you to come through for me. And I am just feeling exhausted. I need something to happen here. Where are you at? What is going on? I think everyone in here can relate to that to some extent. Where are you at? I'm tired. If you haven't figured this out already, there's something about warfare, and and that's exactly what you're engaged in. If you have, and it's, I don't want to jump ahead, but if you haven't figured that out already, warfare demands your participation. (laughs) Warfare demands your participation. Don't be tired because you're getting beat up. Be tired because you're being faithful. Okay? Okay? Be tired because you're continually doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Be tired because you're constantly holding your ground and being in place. Mm -hmm. But don't be tired because the the enemy has just been constantly battering you and beating you. You can always tell when you talk to somebody what side they're on. And you know what I'm talking about because I've been on both sides before and I've caught myself being the victim. The one who's getting beat up and, and tells everybody about it. You just don't know how bad my week's been. You don't know how bad my life is. You don't know how bad everything's been going. It's just awful. It's just awful. Isn't it interesting how we define the enemy's tactics so well when describing them to someone else? I mean, we do. We, ex- we explain it in total detail how awful and how tired and exhausted we are and not really realize what we're doing, not really realizing that we're, we're explaining all of those things because our eyes are caught on the wrong thing. Have you figured out that that is the strategy of the enemy? Is to weaken you. You ever heard that voice? You're too tired to do this. It's okay. Don't worry about praying tonight. Just go to bed. I have heard that voice. Don't pray. This became really extremely real for me last night. It's become very real. It works a very long day and I come home and, and Pastor come over to my house and help me lay flooring. And it was 10 30 when we got done and the Lord began to deal with me. Now I am trying to deal with the Lord though at this point. You anyone with me? I'm trying to deal with the Lord, but He's trying to deal with me. I'm saying I am so tired, and I am so ready to get in bed. And I heard this voice come to me. I'm not saying this because this is Wednesday night and it's my, my time. I'm saying this because this really happened. He come to me and he tells me, he said, my people need you right now. That was his exact words to me. My people need you right now. And I know what he meant, he was calling me to arms for my brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, your country needs you right now. I didn't need to hear anything else. It's time to go and pray. It's time to seek the Lord's face. Was I tired? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, but, but perspective changes everything. You get the right perspective on things. And most of the time, not, not not all the time, but most of the time when it comes to these things, we've got the wrong perspective. We're, we're, we forget so often that we're engaged in a battle that requires our attention. And The the ramifications of chronic battle make us tired. I'm going somewhere with this that you're probably not expecting. You see, I would like to tell you that at some point you get to get over it. You just the tiredness, oh yeah, you just stick with it, and that tiredness goes away. And you don't have to worry about that no more. Don't worry about it. It'll it'll slip away after a while. You know, it's 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 uh, something you'll get used to it's constant fight in battle against the feelings and the emotions and the tiredness even the, the spiritual tiredness Lord I am tired but see there's something about being engaged in war that I think Christians fail to realize that there are these guidelines and when you are engaged in war you follow those guidelines, and one of those guidelines is regardless of how exhausted and how tired I am, I am in a war. Therefore, I've got to get up, and I've got to pray, and I've got to do whatever it takes to hold the line in this battle. That's, that's the rules of war. You don't, you don't fall asleep on when it's your shift to watch. Right. That's the rules. That's, that's just the way that it is. You can't do that. You can't let the enemy gain any ground. Christians have got to realize that today, that if we fall asleep on the job or if we allow uh, prayer time to slip away from us, either because we're too spiritually tired or physically tired, we let things get get away from us where it begins to, or our spiritual lives begin to wane and we're not praying as much anymore, we're not reading as much anymore, we're not doing the things we're supposed to be doing anymore. But didn't you think that was his plan the whole time? I mean, didn't you think that that was was something the enemy had concocted was to make sure that he could throw enough stuff in your plate to cause you to start to break? Now, when I say this, I want you to understand something. I'm not talking about taking time out to rest. That's not what I'm talking about. Everybody needs to take time out to rest. Don't be reckless. What I am talking about is when we become spiritually tired, we begin to let the spiritual things begin to go by the wayside. Uh-huh. And, our, and we was once, our prayers were once fervent, but they're not as fervent as they used to be because we're just too busy Come on. to get to that place. We don't read as much as we used to because, Tanner, if you just knew how busy I was, you'd understand my plight. I get it. I get that life's busy. I'm with you. But we've got to hold the line. We've got to hold the line. Now, how that's going to look in your life, I don't know. So I'm not going to, uh, these these scriptures, when I bring these scriptures out, I'm not coming at you directly as though I don't know what's going on in your life. Because I don't. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the reasons why you make the decisions that you do. I just simply know what God has been dealing with me about when he Calls me out and he's, and I say, but I am tired. And he said, I know, get up anyway. But I don't want to do that right now. Get up anyway. Like, Let's go to war. Why? Because it's a war. That's what we do. That's what we do is we fight on our knees. That's what we do is we pick up our word and we get inspiration from God. That's what we do is we, we, we fellowship with one another. Now, there's people watching at home now I'm saying this and and I don't want you to take me the wrong way this is not a message of guilt or to make anybody that's not here tonight guilty oh you should have been here you hear that message that Brother Tanner was preaching he's talking about you should have been in church no that's not what I'm saying everybody at times needs rest I get it I'm talking about warfare spiritually I'm talking about not just you wasn't in church but you ain't praying no more you ain't reading no more Come on. Or maybe you are coming to church, but you don't pray and read no more. Oh, there's a lot of those. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. There's a lot of those, whether you believe it or not. And so, so in this, I guess the as we get into the scriptures, the first question I want to ask is, it, just you know, so we can kind of set a set a tone here, is if, if you are not doing your part in this war, then who else is going to do that part? Because if the person sitting next to you is spiritually tired and you're spiritually tired then if you lax and you cast it off and say they're going to have to get it, they are possibly going to break under that pressure because it's going to be that much harder for the next person and that much harder for the next person. We all are a part of the body and we all are involved and engaged in a war. If you, if you don't think that we're in a war, just watch the TV for about three minutes. It's not even, it's not even on the news anymore. It's on your commercials. Mm-hmm. It's on everything that comes down the pipe, media or otherwise. We're engaged in a war and a very real one. And so it is imperative that I understand the, the, the magnitude and the importance of my prayer time my prayer for you. Not j- it's not, we've got to quit thinking so individually. We've got to stop thinking this war is just about you and me making it through. But isn't that the feeling, though? Isn't that the feeling? I mean, let's be honest. Isn't that the feeling, I just want to get through this? I just want to just get through this. If I could just hold on long enough, Jesus will return, and then it will all be better. But where does that come from, though? I mean, if you're already saying that, then you're like holding on by your pinky. You get what I'm saying? I mean, when you, I know when I talk a certain way, it's because of the. There's some things that I've allowed to kind of slip, and when you're talking like that, when you're saying, "If I could just hold on a little bit longer," then then you're already running downhill. We have got to. I'm not saying we don't get tired. I'm not saying we don't get frustrated. I'm not saying we don't get, we get beside ourselves sometimes. But some of us have held that, that almost out of this thing for so long that we're not even effective anymore. Yes, I said that. We're not effective in the spiritual realm anymore. The demons don't fear you at all. They're not afraid of you. They're not afraid of your prayer life because you don't have one. They're not afraid of your prayer time because they, they was once threatened by you, but they're not threatened anymore. They don't, you don't concern them. I'm saying some hard stuff tonight, but this, hey, it hurts for me. Cause there's some, I mean, he had to drag me out of bed and I had to, I complained the whole time, but I'm tired. He said, there's people that need you right now. And there's like this perspective that comes into place. Like, oh, I thought this was all about me. I go, oh, I get what you're saying now. Oh, okay, you want me to pray for someone else. Well, wasn't that what I was supposed to be doing the whole time anyway, was praying for somebody else? And we think too often it's just about us making it through and getting to the other side. Amen. Uh-huh. Right I think we need a perspective change. I think we need to get that part of us woke up. So let's go to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 9. <laughs> Verse 24, now I'm reading out of the New International Version tonight, and I chose this version for a very specific reason. Now, some of you got King James Version, that's fine. I usually read out the King James Version because I agree with the King James Version more than other interpretations. But for tonight, I'm reading the New International Version uh, for the sake of uh, this particular uh, lesson. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. That's a real good instruction. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Are you running? First of all is the uh, the question. Are you even running in the race that is being run? Because if you're not running the race, if if you're not actually running this race, the race for this, uh, not not life. (laughs) We're all running the race of life. No, no. I'm talking about This run for Christ. I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about what we carry. I'm talking about what we do. This is the race. We're running this race. All the runners run. Only one gets the prize. Run in in such a way as to get the prize. You know when um, I used to run. And I look back on those years when I was in school and I'd I'd done running and, and I was not that good at all. So I'm not going to try to make it sound like it was, because it wasn't. But there was this thing that I thought about later on, and and I didn't realize I was thinking this way. And I, I look back, and I remember my thought process when I would run these races. I always was already convinced that I was never going to win. Therefore, I ran like I wasn't going to win. That's exactly how I ran. Now, what you do when you run like you're, there's a difference. Huge difference your mindset is different, your your body language is different, everything is different. When you run like you're not going to win, you give as little effort as possible because you would like to feel good at the end of the race and not exhausted. So you conserve energy, you conserve strength, you stay towards the back of the pack as to not really stir up any kind of fuss. There's usually a group of people when you are running a mile and two mile run You've got about 15, 20 people, and about half of those are in a pack at the back. Those are the ones who are convinced they're not going to win. And that's where they run. You've got your, you've got your couple there that are trying, and then you have your like 10 percenters. You've got your couple that are vying for a position, and they're trying to get to the front, and they're giving it everything they have. And if, you're, if you have an attitude as a backrunner, you will always look at the people who are at the front and think they're absolutely crazy for doing what they're doing. That's the mentality of a backrunner. You always, you always look at them and you point and you're like, the people are crazy. Well, see, the difference was, was that when the race, before the race ever began, I had already made up my mind that I wasn't going to win this race. Therefore, I followed that belief into the race. I'm not going to win, so therefore I'm going to say it to back. you got to get the scripture here. If you make it to heaven, it, let, let me say it like this. Let me rephrase that. Do you want to make it to heaven? Amen. Okay. That's a better question. If that's the case and you want to make it to heaven, then you have a prize that you are running for, right? Amen. And the last time I checked, everybody gets the same prize. It's amazing. It's a great prize. We all get the same prize. So it says run, run as the one who's going to get the prize. Mm -hmm. Run. Not with as little effort as possible. Not as one who likes to hang at the back of the pack or likes to blend in. I was always petrified of screaming people. They bothered me. I didn't like it. So what I would try to do is, especially if somebody knew who I was that was watching me run, that bothered me. So I would slip in the pack where nobody would see me and I'd be try to kind of like incognito and I would try to run that way. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that was my mindset. Just blend in. That way nobody will notice you and you won't have to hear your name from the crowd and you won't have to, but i have already, I'm participating in a race, a race that I don't wanna win, a race that I really don't wanna run you see, there's an attitude that follows that, and I think it's the same way in Christianity. It's the same way with the race that we run now for Christ. It's the same way. Is that front runners get ridiculed as being crazy? The ones that are really pushing the envelope, the ones at the back of the pack, or the ones that are, that are kind of wanting to blend in, they point at the ones that are up there trying to get everybody to say, "Come on, guys, we need to get with this thing." They're like, "You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. We're good back here." Do you not see the parallels? It's it's going on today. And so the scripture is very obvious. There is a prize to win. And it says, run the race as though you are the one getting the main prize. See, only one person wins in in that race. But see, in this race, everybody gets the prize. But you actually have to run the race. And you have to run it in a way like you're going to win, meaning all out. Everything you got. There's some other examples I could give, but we need to keep moving. But that's that's the attitude sometimes of, of, of the church today. So run in such a way that you get uh, as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever, yeah. an incorruptible. Crown eternity. So it says here, though, you may miss that. It says that everyone who competes in the games goes into training or learning and understanding what it takes to actually run the race properly to win it. To actually compete at a high level. Why do we come to church? Why do you connect online. Why do you even listen to what's being said? For no reason? Just to say that I went to church? No. It's because there's an enemy out there and he wants to kill you, among other things, humiliate you. Um, And so what we do is, is we learn God's word and we train and we put ourselves into submission and we beat this flesh to a pulp to get it to do what needs to be done to win the race. That's what we do. And so, is there a possibility that the tiredness and the fact that I, I don't wanna go forward anymore, that that's just a part of the game, so to speak? No, let me, let me say that differently. Is it just a part of the race? Yes, I think so. When, when I would run, oh, my legs would hurt so bad, you know? run that's I mean it just would burn would burn and you just there was this you want to quit and here your coaches on the side say don't you quit (laughs) don't you quit you keep running and them legs would burn everything burns so bad but that's a part of running that was a part of the race was the way that it felt so what I've learned is that instead of asking God to take it away that I accept the things that come along with warfare i accept it i accept i accept the ringing in my ears are you with me from the from the from the muzzle blast and the spiritual bombs going off i accept it i accept it because i'm on a battleground i accept the tiredness i accept the fact that i'm not always going to feel my best i accept the fact That I'm not always going to want to move forward But I am going to do it anyway Why? Because I get to choose It's my choice Uh I get to decide At the end of the day it's my choice You know I said this once The Lord really drove this home with me one time And I've, I've said it more than once in here I'll say it for the sake of this That do you know that We don't necessarily Always have to to, to cast devils out and, and and to necessarily bind up every demon that comes along, do you know that you can resist the enemy and watch him flee simply by making the right decisions? It don't even have to be anything elaborate. You just make the decision. Did you know you can resist the devil? You can resist him by simply saying, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do this. You resist the enemy when you are spiritually tired and you're ready to give up, but you still pray. That's resisting the enemy. He's like, man, I knew for sure that we was gonna be able to get him out of the game with that one. I knew for sure they quit the race on that one. I knew for sure that they'd let down on their prayer time. I knew for sure that that would have been the one to get him right there, but you don't do that. You stay faithful and that resists the enemy. That's what makes him run. That's what makes him flee. It's faithfulness. It's doing what you know you're supposed to do, even when you know you don't want to do it. And I think of um, I think of those 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 things that we feel sometimes. And and, I, and I'm being real real honest because I think at the core of every one of us, especially in the atmosphere and the climate that we are in right now, and I, I'm watching the news and I'm seeing people coming in with stress and anxiety issues and they they're completely stressed out of their minds and they're they're all of these they're, they're dealing with all these physical things away from I'm not talking about corona I'm talking about people who are just simply scared to death and their bodies are it's taking a toll on them physically it's taking its toll amen i've also noticed that it is taking its toll this this type of thing on the church well let me tell you something church let me tell you that as we've talked about this in Rock Harbor before, is when you're in a battle and you think that you're not, it's the worst place that you can be. This is not, as pastors put it before, this is not just something that we're just gonna hope goes away, Well this thing just passes pretty quick. Nope, you're in a war. And you better start treating it like that. You better start praying like it is. And when you wanna quit, or you wanna give up, or you feel those feelings, Except the fact that that's just the way war is, and I'm going to keep doing the right thing. I'm going to keep making the decision to pray, and I'm going to keep pushing the limit because that's what we do. I wish I could tell you tonight. I wish I could tell you that, that uh, I say, well, you know, you need to, and I've been through this myself. I've been through this in huge seasons in my life. I come into church in the middle of a very intense war, personally. I've I've said, I've come to church and I'm going to get a hold of God tonight. And I did. He met me. I raised my hands and I worshiped and I praised the Lord. And he encouraged me and he lifted me up. And he touched my spirit and I cried tears. And I worshiped and I went, that was good. But guess what happened the moment I walked out the doors? I went back to war. And I was actually kind of surprised in my younger years I was surprised I said, that didn't really make sense I thought that you would just take it away that's what I thought I thought you would just just take it away from me <laughs> it's funny how we take people's stories and testimonies and we just automatically apply them to our own life and we think well it happened for her shouldn't happen for me it's obviously not the case and so Does God come and encourage us? Does God come and lift us up? Yeah, absolutely. But he lifts you up so you can fight the fight. Not so you can run and hide. Not so you can retreat, not so you can feel, just, I just wanna feel good. I just wanna feel good about this whole thing. I'm sorry, it may not happen. I don't feel real good about what's going on right now. Chances are it's probably not gonna change as far as the way I feel about this. I see this thing kinda slipping off. Do you agree with me? It doesn't, it, it's, it's, the state of our country's bleak. They need a lot of prayer. I don't know where this is going, but I'm not going to ask God in prayer tonight to take that away from me. I'm gonna step up to the plate and I'm gonna do what he called me to do and that's to go to war for my brothers and sisters, for my country, for my president. And I'm gonna push my feelings aside. I'm gonna lay all those feelings aside And I'm going to forget about all those things that I would like to do. I'd like to just crawl up in the bed and just disappear for about 10 hours. (laughs) I don't remember the last time I got in 10 hours of sleep. (laughs) I'm going to push all that aside, and I'm going to go to war. Because that's what God's people do. Okay. The crown that lasts forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. You don't run like that. You don't run like a man running aimlessly. Why? Because you know where you're going. You know what the purpose is. Why? How do you know your purpose? Because you've been trained. I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. I beat this thing in this mission, and I make it do what it's supposed to do. I make it do it even though I don't want to. In closing tonight, I don't want to go to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 9. Well, I take that back. Let's go to 7. And then we'll get there. Let's. I like these scriptures that run into nine. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You believe that? Amen. Man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to Please, his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Well, let's just take the principle of sowing and reaping, okay? Let's just take the principle and then let's just use that in what we have been doing. Let's look at it like this. Let's think of every time I didn't pray or skipped prayer or didn't read the word, think about that as sowing a seed, okay? Think about it like that. Because it says, this is the rule, this is, a, this is a rule of God, that I'm going to reap whatever I sow. So if I sow lack of prayer, if I sow lack of the word, if I sow these things, if I start sowing them, what is going to come out of that? Well, we could say, well, nothing, right? Because you didn't sow in anything. No, you sowed something. You sowed something. What was it replaced with? Television or, I'm not saying, television's fine, that's fine. Careful with with what you watch. Just careful how you spend your time. How many of you in here have been watching television and God called you to pray? Mm -hmm. How many of you have been watching television and God called you to read the word? Mm -hmm. How many of you was reading a book that wasn't the word and he said, put that down and pick this up? I'm not getting on anybody's individual time or your case. I'm saying that we're living in dangerous times. And dangerous times call for dangerous measures. So we're going to have to be dangerous with our prayer. You get what I'm saying? It's gotta be dangerous. I mean, you know, we're supposed to pray fervently anyway. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. I mean, when was the last time our prayers were actually effectual and fervent? ouch. That hurts because that gets, I mean, that digs deep. When would the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man works? It avails. It's effective. So then we gotta go ask ourselves, when was the last time our prayers were actually a fervent? When when did we get that point? And if it hasn't been a while, if it's been a while, then what does it take to get back to that place again? To a place where we're praying effective prayers. The kind of prayers that we know the presence of the Lord is—he's—he's he's called us into, and we feel his presence, and we're lingering in his presence because we want to be there. The Lord said something to me the other day. Now, I'm going to throw this out there, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to say this tonight or not. He spoke this to me, and I'm going to let you take this and do what you want with it. I had asked a question. A lot of times I ask myself questions, and he answers them for me. A lot of times, I'll ask a question, and then he'll say, oh yeah, I got an answer for you. And I just asked a simple question. I said, you know, I don't see your spirit move like it like it used to. I don't see the churches. I said, it's not just in one place, it's everywhere. Why doesn't it happen like it used to? And I'm just thinking this. I didn't ask God this question. I asked myself this question. And he said something to me that caught me off guard. And i quite, never quite heard it this way before, he said, my children are afraid to be alone with me. Stop me dead in my tracks. I said my children are afraid to be alone with me. And he showed me something. You see, you know, we have uh, you know when you meet somebody, let's say you meet somebody with a, at work, it's in a group setting. There's a bunch of people and you meet them. Him, her, whoever, you meet them. And then you know them from that setting. It's a group setting. And you could say that you don't really know who they are, right? Because it's kind of a group setting. You don't really know who they are. You just know of them. It's a group. But then if you see them, let's say you spend some time with them and you become friends with them, well, then the, the, the next obvious step when you become friends with somebody is to spend time with them. That's the next step you do. You take them to a sort of coffee, and, or you come over to my house, or I'll come over to yours, and, and let's spend some time together. That's the next logical step. That you do to establish friendship. And when the Lord spoke that to me, he showed me that. He showed me that a lot of his children only want him in a group setting. They don't want him one-on-one. You can take that and you do what you want with it. They want God in a group setting, but they don't want him one-on-one. So they don't want me, they don't they don't want to be alone with just me. Think about it. That's the true establishment of friendship is to spend time with somebody one-on-one. But if your friend keeps asking you to come over and you keep saying no and come have coffee with me and you say no, and every time they ask you to spend time with them, you say no, what kind of message do we send? I really don't want to be friends with you. Think about that. I'm good with you just being at work. I'm good with you in a group setting. I'm not really wanting to spend time with you alone. So the scripture says here that no one sows to please the spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The one, I'm sorry, the one who sows to please the spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So you sow into the spirit why? Spiritual things. We sow into the kingdom, that's a kingdom thing. So, when you sow into the kingdom, what does, that, what does that mean if I sow into the kingdom? That means I'm doing something that benefits and pushes the kingdom of God forward. That's what that means. What I'm doing will push the kingdom of God forward. Now, go throughout your day. Just, just imagine. Just imagine in your mind. Go throughout your day and think about the things that you do from start of your day to the end of your day. And how many kingdom things do we actually do in a day? I'm not talking about think. I'm talking about do. How many kingdom things? How many things do we actually sow into the kingdom? I mean, I'm talking about the condition of the church today. I'm talking about I'm talking about if, if you go through the start of your day to the end of your day, and you missed out on your prayer time, and you missed out on your reading the word time, and you got too busy. You was wrapped up. You didn't have to, You didn't. You didn't minister. You didn't talk to nobody about anything. You just went on through your day, and you, oh, I made it. I made it. I made it. I got through the day. Well, then the next day repeats itself. You do the same thing the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and you caught in a cycle. And before you know it, you don't even do kingdom things anymore. You don't talk about the kingdom anymore. You don't do or push the kingdom of God anymore at all. It's just all about what we want to feel like and what we want to do. And to me. That's a dangerous way to live. That's dangerous because you're going to reap what you sow. And I think the atmosphere that we are living in today is a great wake up call for the church. It's great. I've said this before, it's a great wake up call for the church. I think this is a great time for the church to wake up and say, you know what? I've got to start getting my mind and my heart in my prayer time focused on kingdom things. Kingdom things. Coming back into focus and perspective. Okay, and ending this out, it says, In verse 9, he says, Let us not become weary, tired, exhausted, and doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What does that mean when he says, Let us not become weary in doing good? It actually means doing the right thing. That's it. It's doing the right thing. And I think that's, that's the point that I want to make tonight is every one of us are all, all get tired of doing the right thing at some time or another. We're just like, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired. I'm tired of praying. I'm being honest here. I'm being honest. I hope that you understand where I'm coming from because I think everybody's there. We might be afraid to admit it, but we all get tired sometimes. Before I'm just tired of praying. Sometimes I feel like it doesn't do any good. We know that it does because the Bible tells us, but I don't feel that way. And if you obey those feelings if you obey that flesh that rises up and said you need to stop praying because it ain't doing you no good anyway then what's going to come from that when you start sowing that seed what's going to happen we're going to lose ground we're going to lose ground in this war all hands on deck you've heard that saying right all hands on deck and that's what we need today all hands on deck so he said Let us not become weary in doing good or doing the right thing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There we go. come back. (laughs) Let us do good. Let us do right to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I made a statement, John, the uh, pastor and I have talked about it actually quite a bit, um, and I'm not getting into the details, I'm just, I want to end with this, because it, this is the way the scripture ends, the scripture ends actually talking about doing good to all people, but especially the, the, the believers. There's something that I've noticed here in the midst of everything that's going on, this is a very complicated, multi-layered thing that we're seeing happen in our country. It's also a it's also a very multi-leveled attack from the enemy. And not only do I see chronically tired people, but I also see people becoming frustrated and easily angered at one another. This is atmosphere. And so the Bible is it tells me that I need to do good, not just to everybody, but especially. To the brothers and sisters in Christ, he said, make sure you're doing good to them. So there's this thing that's going on today that we're seeing is that the enemy is trying to drive a wedge between you and your brother and sister in Christ. I don't know if you realize that yet or not, but it's happening. What has happened is there's these things that went out, and as our society begins to deal and grapple with all of these things that are going on, people are beginning to take the sides that they believe. They say, well, I believe it's this, and I believe it's this, and I believe it's this, and and I've identified at least 50 I'm just saying that as a generalization all these other these areas where people have stances and they're taking sides and I said that's fine that's fine you're more than welcome to express your opinion you're more than welcome to have a belief system absolutely but do not let it affect your relationship with the body of Christ don't let it happen some people want to make a stand so much that they let it drive a wedge And then we forget what we're actually here to do. We're here to stick together. We don't have to agree on everything that's going on in our society to be able to stick together and to fight together. Because the enemy knows that. He knows. He's like, I'm going to put this stuff out here. And I'm going to make you mad at you. And I'm going to make you mad at you. And I'm going to get you thinking that this person don't care about you. And I'm going to do all of this stuff. I'm going to put this out there. And as long as you take a side and stick with your side, then I can create something That will drive a wedge and separate you. That's that's one of the strategies. That's the plan. I hope that you're catching that. I hope that you're noticing that. That at the end of the day. When I come in here. Regardless of my belief system. Regardless of what I think about politics. And I do. I've got some strong opinions. But I have to take all that and I push it to the side. I'm here to worship. I'm here to worship. That's what I've come in here for. I'm not coming here to prove a point. I'm not coming here to tell you what I think about this, and I'm going to make you believe what I think about this. That doesn't matter. That makes no difference. What matters is is we worship the Lord. What matters is is we follow the word of God. What matters is is we stick to our faith. And that we be willing to go to battle for one another, that we can continue in this fight. Would you stand tonight? So, this is what I want to do tonight. And it's a very simple thing. You know, sometimes we'll, have, you know, we'll come down to the altar. Sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll do some different things. This is the way the Lord has inspired me to do that. Now, with everyone's head bowed, I know there's not very many here, but I don't want everyone to bow your head tonight. And I'm going to ask you a very honest question. And this is from the heart. This is the way the Lord placed this on my heart to give to this congregation. Nobody looking around. If you feel tired tonight, and you know what I'm talking about, it's a very individual thing. If you feel tired tonight, I simply want you to raise a hand. No one's looking. You raise your hand, signifying, I'm tired. I'm tired. I got stuff in my life. I am tired. It's affected me. It's affected my prayer life. It's affected my my reading time. It's affected me. I am tired. Whether it's you're tired of coronavirus, you're tired of politics, you're tired of Uh, of things that are going on in your home, regardless, if you're tired, you slip your hand up. We're going to pray. Father, you see these hands, Lord God, and you see these lives. Father God, you see the situations that we're in. You see the wars that we're engaged in. God, you see the situations and how dire it is. Father, I pray, God, that as as we have shown by signifying hands our tiredness, Lord, God, that we are here, Father God, to fight this battle for you. Father, I pray for an encouragement, of spirit, Lord, and of mind and of body. God, I pray that you lift up this congregation tonight. Father, I pray that you bring us back to arms again. Father, God, I pray tonight that we don't put down the sword, that we don't put down the shield, that we stay fully armored. Father, God, we stay in our gear ready to fight, Lord. Father, I pray tonight, God, for these ones that are dealing with very individual situations, Lord, that they are tired of. Father, I pray strength. I pray patience, Lord. I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, upon their lives. I pray an encouragement, God. Father, sometimes it gets tough and sometimes it gets hard. But Father, give us the strength, Lord, the strength to hold fast to the word that we know, the word of faith. God, I pray tonight, Lord, that you touch Rock Harbor Church. Father, touch our pastor and his wife, Lord God, encourage them and give them strength. Help them physically and mentally and emotionally, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, for this country and our president, Lord God. Father, I pray that you hold them up, Lord, touch this country Lord and bring us back to a place of repentance Lord that we repent of our sins God I pray that you touch our president and give him strength, wisdom, knowledge Lord I pray that you pour this into him tonight and Lord we just pray we pray Father God Lord for the strength to keep doing what we're doing father we're not going to quit we're not we're not going to do it we're not going to lay down prayer we're not going to lay down our word we're going to keep fighting we're going to keep doing what you called us to do. And Father, I thank you, God, for this night. I thank you for the encouragement, Lord. I thank you for your word. You call this to a battle. You call this to a fight. Help us to continue that fight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you tonight. God bless you. God bless you. Give the Lord a praise. It's been good. It's been good.